Let's pray now as we come to read from God's word in the book of Lamentations. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have spoken to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, that we might be forgiven, who rose again in glory in the resurrection, that we might have eternal life, who is our King, who is our Saviour, who is our champion, who is our captain. Lord, thank you that you've also spoken to us through your word in the Bible. You have revealed yourself to us. And I pray now as we read Lamentations chapter 1, that you would speak by the power of the Holy Spirit. You would encourage us and you would challenge us. But Lord, most importantly, may you teach us to mourn in a godly way. May you teach us to lament in the way you would have us lament. Teach us now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Reveal what is true. For your glory we pray these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder whether you've ever attended church and felt completely out of place. You've arrived at the church service feeling sad, upset, sorrowful at something that's happened to you during the week, something that you're going through in your life. But then the tone of the service, the church service that you attended, has been full of happiness. It's been happy, 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 but you have felt sad in yourself. The people have arrived with smiles on their faces, singing songs of joy, but you're just not feeling it. You feel out of place. You feel like you don't fit with the rest of church. Maybe you've experienced that recently um, as a consequence of COVID. Many of us have lost things as a consequence of COVID and mourned and been sad and been upset and maybe during this time you've watched a service online or you've been to a service and everyone else has had a smile on their face um, and you've just felt sad. I've, I've been there. I've been in that place. I remember one time in particular when I genuinely, metaphorically, um, put on a mask. I put a smile on my face for the whole service even though I was feeling really upset inside. I joined in the songs, I acted like everything was normal. In reality, what was going on inside of me was, was, I was sad, I was miserable, I was upset about something very significant that was happening to me at the time. Wonderfully, actually, one of my close friends realised I was faking it, took me aside, prayed with me, spoke with me, and it was an amazing moment of the church really working at a time I needed it to work for me. You see, Christianity, biblical Christianity, promises great joy, deep, eternal, everlasting joy in God, in Jesus Christ, our Saviour. And so when the church gathers, there's a right emphasis in the church on celebrating all the things that Jesus has done for us, on celebrating salvation, on rejoicing together. It's, it's good and right that we celebrate. It's good and right that we rejoice. But that celebratory atmosphere, that joy, should never be superficial, shallow happiness that denies or hides sorrow and suffering. That's not biblical. That's not right. There's something beautiful about true Christianity, there's something more authentic and more real about the joy in true Christianity. You see, the Bible speaks often 
about suffering, grief, struggle and sorrow. And I think God, in his word, calls us to an emotional life where sorrow and joy meet one another and coexist within the Christian life, within the Christian heart. If you've ever been to a Christian funeral, you've experienced this meeting of sorrow and joy. You see, a Christian funeral is a, is a sad time. It's sorrowful. You mourn the loss of someone you've loved who you won't see again in this earthly life. So it's, it's sad and sorrowful. And yet at the same time, it's joyful because you know your Christian brother or sister has gone to be with Jesus in heaven. He's, he's with Jesus right now. And that's something to celebrate. And you also know that you will be reunited with that person in heaven when you, when you yourself go to be with Jesus. And so there's a sorrow at the loss that you've experienced. Someone you love has, has gone. Yet there's joy. I'm going to see them again. And they are with Jesus right now in paradise. Sorrow and joy coexist at a Christian funeral. And I think that sorrow and joy should coexist in the heart and life of every Christian um, a lot of the time. That means if we're going to live out our Christian lives in the right way, and if we're going to do church correctly, we need to know how to mourn with God. We need to know how to lament with joy. And so, I think it's appropriate at this time that we begin a sermon series in the book of Lamentations. Over the past year, in 2020, all of us have lost something. Some of us have lost loved ones, people whom we love very dearly. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us have suffered loss of friendships and communities and suffered with loneliness as we've had to isolate from the people whom we love to spend time with us. All of us have lost that that church moment where we all gather together and sing together and, and really enjoy community and fellowship in a way which we haven't been able to since March of 2020. All of us have lost something. And so as we begin a new year, there's part of me that would love to preach this 2021 sermon. What's God got for us this year? A sermon full of vision and full of hope and full of expectation. I do have hopes and expectations of what God's going to do with us as a church during this year. But actually, I felt as I prayed, it was more appropriate. It was right. God led me to preach this sermon series in the book of Lamentations because we've lost things in 2020. The pandemic is not over. We have hope because of the vaccinations in this time, but it's going to go on for weeks, months um, into 2021. And so I think it's good and right that we spend time thinking about how to mourn in a godly way. How do we mourn the things that we've lost in a godly way? If you're a Christian, I hope this sermon series is going to help you healthily express your sorrows and the things that you mourn in a godly, biblical way. And also, this sermon series will be a wonderful reminder of the comfort that we have in God. And so I think it's going to be helpful for you if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, this sermon this morning and this sermon series in the book of um, Lamentations is going to be a revelation of authentic not shallow and fake Christianity. What does authentic, emotional Christianity really look like? And secondly for you, if you're not a Christian, this sermon series is going to be an invitation to receive joy from the Lord 
that can coexist even with sorrow and with mourning. It's a joy so deep that it's eternal and lasts forever. And I hope that as you listen to God's word being read and preached, you would receive and accept that invitation. You would believe in Jesus Christ. You would receive salvation from God and enter into the joy of the Lord that is spoken about in the Bible. So I'm, I'm excited at how God's going to teach us and lead us through this sermon series in the book of Lamentations. And we're going to start this morning by reading Lamentations chapter 1, verses 1 to 22. Um, the words will appear on the screen, but if you've got a Bible at home, open there to Lamentations chapter 1. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She who was great among the nations, she who was a princess among the provinces, has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night, with tears on her cheeks among all her lovers. She has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and hard servitude. She now dwells among the nations, but finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The rose to Zion mourn, for none come to the festival. All her gates are desolate, her priests groan, her virgins have been afflicted, and she herself suffers bitterly. Her foes have become the head, her enemies prosper because the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away, captives before the foe. From the daughter of Zion all her majesty has departed. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wandering all the precious things that were hers from days of old. When her people fell into the hand of the foe and there was none to help her, her foes gloated over her, they mocked at her downfall. Jerusalem sinned grievously, therefore she became filthy. All who honoured her despise her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns her face away. Her uncleanness was in her skirts. She took no thought of her future. Therefore, therefore her fall is terrible. She has no comforter. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. The enemy has stretched out his hands over all her precious things, for she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary, those whom you forbade to enter your congregation. All her people groan as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. Look, O Lord, and see, for I am despised. Is it nothing to you, all who pass by? Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which was brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. From on high he sent fire, into my bones he made it descend. He spread a net for my feet, he turned me back, he has left me stunned, faint all the day long. My transgressions were bound into a yoke, by his hands they were fastened together, they were set upon my neck, he caused my strength to fail. The Lord gave me into the hands of those I cannot withstand. The Lord rejected all my mighty men in my midst. He summoned an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trodden as in a winepress the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep, 
My eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me, one to revive my spirit. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is none to comfort her. The Lord has commanded against Jacob that his neighbours should be his foes. Jerusalem has become a filthy thing among them. The Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. But hear, all you peoples, and see my suffering. My young women and my young men have gone into captivity. I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. My my priests and elders perished in the city while they sought food to revive their strength. Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns. My heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. In the street the sword bereaves. In the house it is like death. They heard my groaning, yet there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my trouble. They are glad that you have done it. You have brought the day you announced. Now let them be as I am. Let all their evil doing come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my transgressions. For my groans are many and my heart is faint. Let us begin by seeing something completely obvious in the text. But something, though obvious, that needs to be said. And my first point this morning is in Lamentations chapter 1, Jerusalem, the city of Israel, mourns. Jerusalem mourns. Jerusalem laments. That's my first point. In 587 BC, the Babylonians invaded and conquered Jerusalem. And the book of Lamentations is a lament, is an expression of deep sorrow for what has happened to the once beautiful and great city of Jerusalem. We don't know who the writer um, was. Many think it was the prophet Jeremiah, but he expresses deep sorrow at what has happened to the city of Jerusalem. And the whole book is, is a mournful lament at what has happened to Jerusalem. You can see this very, very clearly in the text that I've just read. It begins in verse 1. How lonely sits the city that was once full of people. Jerusalem used to be bustling and busy with people, but now it is empty and desolate for the death and destruction that's been brought in Jerusalem. Verse 2 says Jerusalem weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Verse 4 The writer says, the rose to Zion mourn, her priests grow. In verse 12, look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow. The writer of Lamentations is speaking as Jerusalem herself and she's saying, my sorrow is the greatest sorrow of all in verse 12. In verse 16, for these things I weep. In verse 20, look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns. My heart is wrung within me. And then verse 22, the chapter ends. My groans are many and my heart is faint. Jerusalem and the writer of Lamentations mourns in the deepest way possible in this book. And in this chapter of scripture, it's a heartfelt expression 
of true grief. And you can understand that. The, the Jews were given this great land of Israel and Jerusalem was their capital city where the temple of God was built, a very significant place. And now invaders have come and conquered and knocked down this glorious city. You can understand, these, this writer, the city of Jerusalem, knew what it was to grieve, knew what sadness and sorrow truly was. And that's expressed in this lamentation in chapter 1. And so my first takeaway for you today is this. It is okay. In fact, it's good and right for followers of God to express grief. If there's anything the book of Lamentations teaches us, it's that it is good and right at times for the people of God, for followers of God, to express their sorrow and lament for the things that are wrong in this world. One thing um, that sometimes makes me laugh is when I speak to non-Christians and they talk about the problem of evil. They talk in a, in a philosophical way and they say, if God is all-loving and God is all-powerful, why is there evil in the world? That doesn't make logical, philosophical sense. Ha-ha, I have disproved Christianity. And, and when they say things like that, they often speak like the writers of the Bible didn't know that there was evil and sorrow and suffering and disaster in the world. What they're really saying, they think they're disproving Christianity. What they're really proving is that they haven't read the Bible because the Bible's full of people wrestling with those questions about God being merciful and loving and there being evil, disaster, sorrow and, and struggle in the world. There's some books of, of the Bible that talk about why there's evil in the world. I'm thinking particularly about the first few chapters of Genesis. There's a there's a, the story of Adam and Eve is a story about why evil, why sin, why sorrow exists in this world, even though God created the world to be good. And there's other books like Lamentations of people just responding to the, the disastrous things they see happen. The problem of evil doesn't disprove Christianity. It, it proves that people haven't really engaged with the text of the Bible. And so if you're a non-Christian and you would say, I'm not a Christian because... Uh, of this philosophical argument that a loving God, an all-powerful God, wouldn't create a world in which evil exists. Well, I'd encourage you to read the Bible, see how the biblical writers answer that question and engage in that question. And if that's you, get in touch. I'd love to talk to you about good places to start and things to read in the Bible. Because what the book of Lamentations shows us is one way Christians should respond to evil, calamity, death, and, starva and starvation is to lament, to weep, and to cry. That's a biblical response to some of the terrible things that happen in this world. It's here in Lamentations. This is a book written for use in public worship. The people of God were to publicly lament things that had gone wrong in Jerusalem. And so I want to say to you very, very clearly, if you've experienced loss, in any way, but particularly if you've experienced loss due, due to COVID, express your sadness. Express that in lament to God. He's big enough and wise enough and powerful enough to handle your honest expression of the sorrow you're feeling. And this book of Lamentations invites us to honestly cry out to God and say, 
this thing that has happened is really hard. I want to tell you, Lord, how it's making me feel. The Bible encourages us to express true emotions to God. And so that's my encouragement to you. If you are mournful over something today, tell God about it. Now, one of the amazing things about Lamentations is the structure of the book. Um, If you've got a Bible in front of you, flick through it and look at the verse numbers in each of the chapters. And you'll see in Lamentations chapter 1, there are 22 verses. In chapter 2, there are 22 verses. In chapter 3, there are 66 verses. And in chapter 4, there are 22 verses. And in chapter 5, there are 22 verses. Did you know that the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters in it? And each chapter of Lamentations is... Uh, It's a book, a series of acrostic poems. And so in chapter one, each verse starts with the next letter of the alphabet. So verse one starts with the Hebrew letter Aleph. Verse two is the Hebrew letter Bet and so on and so forth, all the way through the Hebrew alphabet. And the reason I highlight that is because the writer of this book has structured his mourning, structured his lament, using the alphabet to help him think through the grief that he's experiencing. We often think of grief as wild and uncontrollable. But the writer of Lamentations has shown us a better way. He has sat down and logically structured and written out deeply felt sorrow and emotion. And I believe that process will have helped him in his grief. And I would encourage you to do the same. I want to encourage you. You can lament. You can grieve. You can mourn. Express those sorrows to God. It's absolutely good and right that you do that. Also, try and do it in a structured way. Find some time to sit and write out your thoughts. Maybe even use the letters of the alphabet to help you think through how this situation is making you feel. Structure in expressing your grief will help you process the sadness that you are experiencing, just as it did for the writer of Lamentations. As it, there's structure in chapter 1, in fact, verses 1 to 11, written in the third person. It's, it's an onlooker seeing Jerusalem, saying, this is what's going on in Jerusalem. But then verses um, 11, 12 onwards, all the way to the end, is written in first person. The writer has become Jerusalem and speaks on Jerusalem's behalf and uses the word I rather than just saying the city. He, Jerusalem speaks in the second half of the chapter. So there's structure throughout the whole book and there's structure in chapter one as well. Structure helps us express grief. So Jerusalem mourns in Lamentations chapter one. And I want us to take two things away from that. We can express grief. Let's do it. And secondly, let's use structure to help us um, comprehend our sorrows and our emotions, particularly at this time where many are struggling. That's the first thing. Jerusalem mourns. But the second thing is Jerusalem also remembers. Look at verse 7. Lamentations 1 verse 7. It says, Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wandering all the precious things that were hers from days of old. In other words, now Jerusalem has been conquered and and is suffering so terribly. Now she remembers all the precious things that God gave to her in her past. She remembers God's salvation out of slavery in Egypt in the book of Exodus. 
She remembers the promised land of Israel that the Jews were brought into, a land that's described as flowing with milk and honey, a glorious land. She remembers God's presence. She remembers God's safety and security and how he nurtured the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem remembers the prophets who spoke God's word so that the Israelites truly did hear from God on a regular basis as the prophets declared the word of the Lord. These were all precious things that had been given to Jerusalem in the Old Testament in the days of old. And these are the things that Jerusalem now remembers Here in chapter 1, Jerusalem remembers what has been lost. And so actually remembering increases Jerusalem's grief in a sense. Have you ever had those moments where you think of something that happened in the olden times and you you kind of yearn for that time, yearn for those good times, and it makes you sad in the present because of what you're missing out on in the past? Well, that's what's going on in Lamentations chapter 1, as Jerusalem remembers the precious things that she used to have. In chapter 3... The writer of Lamentations remembers again, and what he remembers is God's mercy and God's steadfast love and faithfulness. And so in chapter 1, remembering brings greater sorrow. In chapter 3, remembering brings comfort. Oh, I bring to mind God's mercy and God's steadfast love. And, And suddenly, even in the midst of Jerusalem's destruction, I can find comfort in what I remember of who God is. So Jerusalem mourns. Jerusalem also remembers. Remembering is a powerful and important part of the grieving process. It can increase sorrow as we remember things that we've lost. But it can also comfort us in times of sorrow as well as we remember that which is still true today. And so I I would encourage you. As you mourn, as you lament, as you express grief, or when you experience grief, remember, as well as reflect on how sad you are feeling. Remember the salvation you have received in God. Remember Jesus' death on the cross. Remember his resurrection from the dead. Remember the the enjoyment of church. Remember back in January, February 2020, when the church was gathered and we were singing together and experiencing true fellowship as we long for now. Remember powerful experiences of the Holy Spirit that you've had in your life. Remember wise counsel that other Christians have given to you. Remember other trials and sufferings that you've been through, that you've survived through, that you've grown through, that you've learned from. A a time of mourning is also a time of remembering. And know that when you remember the great truths about who God is, you will receive comfort from those amazing truths. So Jerusalem mourns, Jerusalem remembers the precious things she used to have. The question is then, what's happened? If God gave all these precious jewels to Jerusalem, why does she now mourn? What has happened that has caused her to mourn? How is it that this blessed city has now become lonely, afflicted, desolate and hungry? Well, my third point this morning And the answer is in verse 8. Jerusalem sinned grievously. There's a metaphor in verses 8 and 9. And the metaphor is of Jerusalem acting like a prostitute. She was unfaithful to God and went after other lovers. She sought security and happiness and safety with other nations rather than trusting 
and loving God who had raised her up, has always cared for her, always provided for her, every, always given her everything he, she needed. And instead of staying faithful to God, she wandered away to other nations and worshipped other gods and idols. It was sin that caused the downfall of Jerusalem. Very key point in the book of Lamentations. This destruction, this disaster has come upon Jerusalem because she was sinful. In one sense, it was the Babylonians who invaded Jerusalem. So you look at verse 10 and it says, The enemy has stretched out his hand over all her precious things. The enemy in that verse, I believe, to be Babylon who has invaded Jerusalem. But in a truer sense, Jerusalem's downfall was God punishing her for the sin and disobedience that she had committed. Look at verse 12. The Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. Look at verse 13. From on high he, God, sent fire. Look at verse 14. The Lord gave me into the hands of whom I cannot withstand. Verse 15, God, he summoned an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trodden us as in a winepress, the virgin daughter of Judah. Jerusalem suffers because she has sinned and God has acted. In in fact, in verse 18, the writer of Lamentations is able to say the Lord is in the right. He has acted righteously in his judgment upon our city. What he's saying is, as a righteous, good God, he must punish wrongdoing. He must punish sin. There must be a penalty for doing things wrong. A good God will always punish wrongdoing. Imagine a murderer is being tried at court, and in the courtroom the family are grieving the loss of their loved one, and they're waiting for a verdict, and the judge stands up and says, Ah, Never mind, let's just let this murderer go free. That is not a good judge. That's a bad judge. He hasn't done justice and the family who've lost a loved one would be devastated. No, a good judge brings a penalty for sin. There is a punishment for wrongdoing. And therefore, Jerusalem suffers because God, the good judge, is bringing punishment for the sin she has committed. Jerusalem suffers because she has sinned. Central theology of the book of Lamentations. Jerusalem suffers because she has sinned. And so as we reflect on Jerusalem sinning grievously against God, under this third heading, I want to make three sub-points. My first point will be a philosophical point, my second point will be a personal point, and finally the third point, the third sub-point under my third heading will be a point filled with hope. So let's first make a philosophical point from what we've seen in Lamentations of Jerusalem sinning. And the point is this, all evil, disaster and calamity exists as a consequence of sin. All evil exists as a consequence of sin. In Lamentations, the link is direct. The invasion, the loneliness, the starvation, the affliction, 
the filthiness and the shame that have come upon Jerusalem have come as a direct punishment from God because of the sin of Jerusalem. Jerusalem sinned, God inflicted disaster upon the city. So here in Lamentations it's obvious that this evil, this calamity, this disaster is as a consequence of sin. But we can also say this, COVID is a consequence of sin. Not directly this time. I do not mean that the individual who gets COVID gets it because they've been the most sinful out of all their friends. I don't mean that at all. That is not what I'm teaching. Nor do I mean that the nation of the United Kingdom is suffering worse because it's more sinful than some of the other nations out there. I'm not talking about a direct relationship where the most sinful people and nations suffer the most from COVID. I'm not talking about that at all. What I mean is this. COVID is in the world because humanity as a whole have sinned. Adam in the Garden of Eden was the representative of all of humanity. The federal head is one of the titles he's he's given. He represented all of humanity and he sinned. And since then, all humanity has sinned. All humanity has rebelled against God. All humanity has been disobedient. And when humanity sinned, we brought death, disease and disaster into the world. Those things exist as a consequence of sin. Do you see, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit in disobedience to God, that's when death entered into the world. And of course, disease wouldn't have existed without death. And so COVID, which has killed thousands of people, I don't know worldwide stats, but yeah, that COVID has killed thousands of people because death came into the world through Adam's disobedience, through the sin of humanity. And so we can say this, this is a philosophical point. All evil in the world is a consequence of sin. Death, disaster, disease, pain, tears, sorrow, all those things are only in this world because of sin. And therefore COVID is a consequence of sin. In that sense, the pandemic is a warning siren to everybody in the world about the existence of sin. God's God's shouting through COVID, the world is not right. There's something wrong with the world. And the thing that is wrong with the world is sin and disobedience against me. And because of your sin, there is disaster and death and disease in the world. I wonder whether you've heeded the warning of COVID. We need to hear it. We need to understand that because of things like COVID, we need to repent. We need to turn to God. We need to seek forgiveness and mercy from God that he might forgive our sins, that we might receive the forgiveness from Jesus Christ, that we might enter into a paradise and the new heavens and the new earth that's coming in the future where there will be no illness, sickness, disease or death. That's my philosophical point then. All evil is a consequence of sin. Let me make a personal point now. Because of that philosophical point, as we mourn loss from disaster, May we also mourn sin. As as we think about the loss that we have experienced from COVID or other sources of sorrow, may we also remember that the ultimate source of that sorrow is sin, is disobedience against God. When we lose a loved one, yes, let's mourn the fact that we've lost that one whom we loved. It's a terrible, sorrowful thing. 
But let us also remember that death is only in the world because of sin, because of offences against God. When we suffer through illness, let's lament the pain that we feel. Tell God your sorrow. Tell him about how hard it is to be sick with whatever you're going through. But also lament rebellion against God, which has caused sickness to come into the world. Don't just lament the illness, but lament the sin as well. Don't just lament death, but lament the sin and sorrow caused to God through sin as well. When we suffer loneliness, mourn and weep before God. Tell him how difficult it is to be lonely, but also confess sin and lament the sin that caused loneliness to even exist in this world today. Christian lament is sorrowful at the evil in the world and is particularly sorrowful for sinful disobedience against God. Finally then, let me make a point of hope. Lamentations has taught us to mourn, to remember. It's taught us that sin is the root cause of all evil and that we should mourn and lament sin itself. But there is a profound difference between the way Jerusalem in Lamentations mourns and the way Christians should mourn. Did you spot it? In verse 2, Jerusalem It says she has none to comfort her. In verse 7, there was none to help her. In verse 16, a comforter is far from me. In verse 21, yet there is no one to comfort. You see, Jerusalem is, is mourning, especially because it knows no comfort. Christians do not need to mourn and lament without comfort. For in the New Testament, Jesus Christ comes and deals with our sin. He dies on the cross so that our sins might be forgiven, so that death is not the end, but all Christians have eternal life. And that eternal life is demonstrated by Christ's glorious resurrection. We will share in his resurrection resurrection life because he has been resurrected from the grave. And having died and been resurrected and having ascended into heaven, Jesus Christ pours out the Holy Spirit. And in John 14, verse 26, the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of every believer, is called the Helper or the Comforter. And so in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, Paul, this great Christian leader, can call God the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions. And so, yes, we can mourn and lament as Christians, but we do not mourn as those without comfort. We have the death of Christ. We have the resurrection of Christ. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit who comforts us. We have the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all affliction. And, you know, the writer of Lamentations gets there. In chapter 3, he remembers the mercy of God. And in chapter 5, he calls Jerusalem to turn back to God, to receive this comfort. But in chapter 1, he hasn't yet reached that point of understanding the comfort of God. He's still in despair mode. But we, as Christians, through Christ, can get there quicker than the writer of Lamentations. We can remember the love shown by Jesus. We can remember the mercy of the one who died in our place. We can remember the comfort of God our Father in heaven. 
given to us in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit, the person of God dwelling in our hearts. And so we can know such comfort, even in times of affliction, even as we mourn, even as we lament, even during the COVID pandemic, Christians can know comfort and even joy. And so I encourage you, express your grief to God. He wants to hear from you. The book of Lamentations is an example to us to share our grief. Do it in a structured way to help us process the things we're struggling with. But ultimately, may you know the comfort of Jesus Christ. May you know the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So you don't say with this writer, I have no one to comfort me. You say, I have God himself who grants me all comfort even during this time. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God of all comfort, we lament, we mourn what we have lost during the year of 2020 as a consequence of COVID. We miss true fellowship with our churches. We miss singing together. We miss conversing over coffee after the service. We we miss eating together in life groups and inviting friends and family round. We miss uh, our brothers and sisters whom we rarely get to see and when we see them it's only through a screen on Zoom at the moment. Lord, we lament and mourn all these things which we have lost. Lord, for those who have lost loved ones, we mourn with them. For those who have lost jobs, for those who have suffered from loneliness and anxiety, we mourn all these things, Lord. We know sorrow during this time. 2020 was a sad year, a difficult year for us, God. Would you look upon our sorrow? Would you look upon our grief? Lord, we know there are challenges ahead. But Lord, we want to acknowledge now that those challenges, those sufferings, those difficulties come only because of sin. It is the sin of humanity that has brought disaster and disease and death into this world. And in that sense, we are responsible, Lord, for we have sinned against you. Forgive us all that we have done wrong. And now, Lord, we pray you would pour hope and comfort into our hearts. May we know that through faith in Jesus, we are forgiven and we have an eternal future. May we know the presence of the Holy Spirit comforting us right now, teaching us this glorious truth of salvation in Christ. Thank you for this great comfort. We do not say we are without comforter. We say we have the great comforter, the great helper with us right now. And in this we rejoice. Lord, we mourn, we lament, we're sorrowful, but we're joyful and we're filled with hope because of who you are and all you've done. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.